Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Tonight, we're going to continue on with our study of holiness from the inside out. And uh, I did not give them this particular verse of Scripture, but I want to begin with this, and then, of course, read our key verse after that. But Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 14, I'm going to be referring to this verse again later. And this is one that most of us are aware of. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 14 simply says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And then let's go to our key passage, which is found in 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And so we're talking about, teaching about holiness from the inside out. And there's a purpose for us uh, framing this around that phrase, uh, holiness from the inside out, because when we discussed this, I really felt like the Lord impressed upon me that we uh, talk about all aspects of it. Not just the symptoms of internal problems, but we talk about the internal problems and then we get to the externals and some of those things and we will and we'll explain them thoroughly. But I believe for you to really grasp the need and why it is important for us uh, to be sanctified and holy before God, it's, an, it's important that you understand it begins from the inside and works its way to the outside. Now, having said that, I want you to also understand that it should begin to manifest itself on the outside of an individual. Amen. Uh, we don't expect it overnight, perhaps, but we do expect it. And I believe God expects it. In His Word, He tells us that He expects it. And we're going we're gonna to investigate all of that in the Word of the Lord. But let's lift our hands and let's pray right now that the Lord would help us. Jesus, we need you. We need your strength. We need your anointing. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost here in this service tonight as we endeavor to approach your word. I pray, God, that we can be able to feed your people, your sheep. God, I pray that you would help us and anoint us to do that. It's important that we receive what we need to receive from the word of God and be fed from your word tonight. We're praying these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you clap your hands and praise to the Lord again? Thank you for standing and you may be seated. As I said last week, and I'm going to give just a little bit of a recap of what we talked about last week, but as I said last week, we're working from the assumption in this Bible lesson or series of Bible lessons, we're working from the assumption that everybody here is endeavoring and does really truly desire to be pleasing to the Lord, that you want to be saved and you want to do what the Lord wants you to do and what is His will for your life. That's the assumption that we're working from. I, I don't really know why that you would choose to come to church if that was not your desire. But all of us, we understand that we're here for the purpose of endeavoring, first of all, to be saved ourselves. The Bible says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And it also uh, instructs us uh, 
to focus on, you know, when we fly these planes, and many times you've heard the instructions they give. They say, before you go to help somebody else, put on their oxygen mask. Make sure yours is securely on yourself because you don't want to be trying to help somebody else and pass out. And so it's important that you take care of that need for yourself so you'll have the strength and the capacity to help someone else. Well, that's so true when it comes to salvation also, that we've got to make sure that we're coming from a standpoint of strength when it goes to helping other people, when it comes to being a witness. So we first, when we're speaking about this, we want to make sure that we're right with God. But by extension, it gives our family and others a greater chance of being saved. Can you say praise the Lord? And we're not only here to see ourselves saved, but we're also here to see others reached and saved. And uh, that is important. We want to see our families, of course, reached. We want to see our city impacted and affected by the spirit and power of God. And as we entered into this lesson, I told you that we were first going to start with four questions. We were going to endeavor to answer those four questions, starting out with what is the basic meaning of scriptural holiness. Not, not just something that we've traditionally heard or that's been defined by man, but what does the Scripture say about holiness? And really, we didn't get beyond that question in our last lesson. And then, second of all, the second question, why uh, we are to be holy, how are we to be holy, is the third question. Fourth question, where does holiness begin or where does it start? And perhaps we'll get a little further down the track this time. Uh, this is basically a general uh, overview or outline of where we're headed and uh, what we're going to be talking about. And I've told you before, we're going to talk about all aspects of holiness. We're going to talk about it in our conversation, our thought life. We're going to talk about it in, in our, uh, what we entertain ourselves with, where we find pleasure. And uh, we're going to talk about it when it comes to um, how we conduct ourselves and our attitude and our spirit, having the spirit of holiness. And then we're going to, of course, uh, talk about the externals, our dress, and uh, how all of that fits into God's definition of holiness. So we first started with what is the scriptural uh, meaning, what is the basic scriptural meaning of holiness, and we found that the word holiness comes from the Greek word hegios, which simply means pure or blameless, sacred, consecrated, or saintly. I like that, saintly. That's kind of where we get the word saint is from the word sanctified. And uh, I explained to you last week that justification is something we can't do for ourselves and that God, uh, really what justification means in one sense is in our stead or just in our stead. We couldn't get there. We were not just by ourselves alone, but he stood in our stead and uh, gave himself as a ransom for our redemption. Can you praise the Lord for that? But sanctification, of course, we need God's help in it. I'm not minimizing that. None of us can be holy without the help of the Lord, but it is a conscious choice and decision that is made on our part. And so it begins with us making some consecrations, uh, making some commitments to God and making some choices and decisions. And uh, so I want you to understand that as we go in and we begin to answer this second question, why are we to be holy? I read to you in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness. And it tells us that without holiness, no man can please the Lord. But it's amazing to me that the term or the word peace is used in the first part of that passage or that verse. And then holiness is also used in the same verse, meaning that they're not at odds with one another. They're not contradicting one another, but meaning that holiness and peace are compatible with one another. You get what I'm saying? I think some people need to understand that. I know some people that need to get that. They need to understand that holiness 
and peace are compatible with one another. Matter of fact, holiness produces peace. Amen? And it produces, first of all, peace between you and God. And then I believe that true holiness will produce peace between you and your fellow man. Praise God. And uh, this is where I think that people need a full revelation of holiness because some folks see holiness as a combative weapon or something. I don't know. It just seems like to me they see it as a combative weapon and they start using it as a comparative analysis against somebody else that they're better than somebody else and that's never the way that God intended for it to be. God never intended for you to use holiness to elevate yourself above somebody else. Amen. Because really you're truly endeavoring to be holy unto God, not unto man. You're endeavoring to be holy unto God, to be a witness for Him, and it is a part of our worship unto the Lord. So when we consecrate ourselves unto God and dedicate ourselves unto God, you cannot just get holiness in one area and not really, if you're truly seeking to be holy, not get it in all areas. And what are you trying to say? I'm saying you cannot just get holiness in one aspect and not get it in your attitude. Oh, hello. Amen. You, you cannot just get holiness because that's what the Pharisees had. And he said, your whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He said, you've learned how uh, to clean uh, the outside of the cup, but there's scum on the inside. And so it's important that we understand that this starts on the inside. And all of you that already are ahead of me and down the tracks and thinking, well, he, he's going soft on, on holiness and all of this, uh, you just hang around. I'm coming for you. Praise God. No, I'm really going to teach this with the right uh, perspective. But I want you to understand, I'm not going soft. I'm teaching what the Bible says. And you need to understand it in that perspective. And uh, see, that's the trap that we fall into is we've got these... Uh, you know, traditional mindsets when it comes to holiness. And so churches sometimes they kind of brace themselves or, or they kind of get down in the panic mode or position when a preacher says he's going to preach about holiness. Hey, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the greatest characteristics and it is a basic nature of God and it should not be something that we're fearful of and it should not be something that we, oh my God, he's going to preach on, on standards or anything like that. That should not be our mindset when a preacher preaches holiness it should be that we love him so much that we want to find out what he desires of us and this is worship unto God so why are we to be holy well holiness is all the way through the Bible this word is used over and over and over again uh, in the tabernacle plan there was a place in that tabernacle that was holy Exodus uh, chapter 26 verse 36 Aaron's garments were called holy Exodus 28, 1 and 2. Moses, when he had the burning bush experience, stood on holy ground. Exodus 3, 1 through 5. We know that the anointing oil was holy. Uh, Exodus uh, 30, 22 and 23. We know that God's word is called holy in Romans 1 and 2. And the list goes on and on. You can find holy prophets. You can find the holy apostles. You can find... Uh, uh, holiness as far as God's or holy brethren as far as God's people are concerned so holiness is not a new theme when it comes to the Bible this is consistent throughout the Bible it's not, it's not an idea that God did away with after uh, the Old Testament it was not an idea that God did away with uh, after the Old Testament covenant was passed and it's not an idea that he introduced with the New Testament but it's always consistently been a part of who God is and what he expects of his people. And we're often told about the aspects of inward and outward holiness without being told why we should be holy. So I want to start with that. First, we are called uh, to be holy to wor as worship unto God. And not only that, but one of the ways that we are holy unto God is we seek to be like him. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. Uh, on my verses, uh, Leviticus chapter number 9, verse 2. 
speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Uh, Leviticus, uh, what is it, 20, 26, something like that? Yes. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people. Now, severed, that, that seems like an extreme word, and it is. It means you've been cut off. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be holy unto God, there's going to have to be some severing. There's going to have to be some separation. You're going to have to put some distance between you and the things that you used to be. You can't fellowship the things you used to fellowship and expect to not be tainted by that. You cannot indulge in the things you used to indulge in, of course. And you can't consistently uh, entertain yourself with uh, the things of this world and give yourself the things of this world and expect to remain holy. That ye should be mine. That ye should be mine. And so it is important that we realize that we're his, and because we're his, uh, we're, we're expected to do a few things. We're expected to abstain from certain things. A child of God is to reveal the nature of God through their daily lives. Second Peter 1 and 4, whereby are you given unto us, whereby are you given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. How are we going to escape those things? How are we going to uh, be able to be, have the strength and the power to overcome those things? I'm going to explain that in just a little while, but you can see that in order to attain those precious promises, in order to be partakers of his divine nature, we've got to we've got to get away from the corruption and the lust and the f- things that the flesh used to feed itself on before, before Christ came into our lives. Amen. We are to be holy because not only are we to be like him, but we're not to be like the world. Second Corinthians chapter number six. Verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We want to be received, but we understand before we can be received, there's a requirement that is given to us in this verse of Scripture. Come out from among them and be ye separate, and then you can be received. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So we all want to claim him, and a lot of Christianity wants to claim him as their father, and they want to be sons and daughters or children of the Lord, but they don't want to do that first command, and that's to come out from the world and be separate from the world. Well, I thought God loves everybody. He loves everybody, but he doesn't leave everybody in the same condition that they were in. Amen. And, uh, you know, don't, don't paint with such a broad brush because the Word of God doesn't. And uh, I just believe everybody ought to, ought, to just, uh, uh, you ought to be able to just do whatever you want to do and still be accepted and still, well, that's not what the Bible said. Be okay if that's what the Bible said, but that's not what the Word of God says, and it's that that's going to judge you, not Dr. Sigma Fruit that told you whatever you want to hear to get your dollars. Amen. And, uh, or, or, or Smiley on the television set that, that uh, you know, tell you a good line and, and uh, give you a 15-minute and not a minute over sermon and make you feel better. I heard somebody just, I think it was even today, I like this, this guy. Because he makes me feel good. He gives me a, a, a story and, he, and a couple of points that are sometimes just frou-frou stuff. I'm going to tell you what, you can't live on cotton candy like I said last week. You can't live, you, you know, as much as you may like uh, Hershey candy bars, you, can't, you might be able to sustain yourself on them, but it probably wouldn't be the best diet in the world. 
and you're going to be sickly and you're going to be weak if that's what you're feeding on all the time. You need to learn the Word of God and what God expects of you. Praise the Lord. So we're not only holy in that we are to be like Him, but we're also not to be like the world. And this is something, this is a common theme throughout the Word of God. He called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees, which was a place of idolatry and idol builders and makers. And he called him out of that. He walked out in faith. And from him he started a people and began a people that would be dedicated and holy unto him. And and you you see in the scripture that he had certain guidelines that he gave to them that you're not to intermingle with those people because if you do, you'll begin to worship their gods and you'll go astray. And uh, so I want you to be separated unto me. And that was, that was something that he was very strong on. So God has always wanted his people to be separated unto him. Not just be separated from something, but be separated unto something. And that is him. Amen. So it's more than just rules. It's relationship that we're talking about here. If you get the rule and you don't get the relationship, you'll never be able to keep the rule in the first place. You've got to get the relationship with God. You've got to get the power and the Spirit of God, which we talked about a lot last week. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 21. This people have I formed for myself, and they shall show forth my praise. Amen. Holiness is worship unto the Lord. We, we praise God in His sanctuary. We come here on service times, and we have a season of worship. And we worship God uh, through our demonstrative praise, through singing, through lifting our hands, through uh, clapping our hands unto the Lord and, 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 and all of the outward uh, things that we do in showing praise to God. But I'm going to tell you, praise is not limited to just that. We praise Him with our life and our lifestyle and how we live every day. We are worshiping God because we're dedicated. We're showing forth praise because we're dedicated unto Him. We're faithful to Him. You know, we are, we are His bride, the Bible says. And He is our husbandman. And so we're dedicated unto God. He is the groom. We're the bride. And we're dedicated unto Him and because we love Him. Now, again, relationship in a marriage is, is no good if all it is bound together by is the marriage license. Marriage license really is a formality. The marriage license is, is the legal aspect of documentation and that kind of thing that is recognized by the state and by the nation and those, those type of things. But, but we're dedicated to one another and we come into covenant with one another when the preacher marries us and it is that 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 love and that bond that we have that keeps us together and faithful to one another through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. You know, what do we say? The rich and the poor, sickness and in health, all of those things. And, and people have to endure those things. If you've been married very long, you've, you've experienced the, the, the poor. Somebody, yeah, I've been, I've been doing that for a long time, Pastor. I'm looking for the rich. When's that going to come along? I said rich and poor. I missed out on the rich part. Well, anyway, you know, some things we just lay up treasures in heaven. We'll be rich on the other side, praise God. And so, um, you understand what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is all you have is a marriage license, and that's all that you can identify yourself as being married, you don't have much of a, a marriage. But it's that love and that bond of love and, and that, that commitment to one another that is really what, and, and you keeping yourselves for one another, that's what makes a marriage. And that's the same. That's why... You know, the Lord uses this illustration of marriage talking about his church and himself. Oftentimes, you read in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians several times, it's referred to like this. Because the reason why 
we he uses that is because we have an earthly illustration of exactly what he's talking about when he talks about commitment and faithfulness to one another. Praise God. And so uh, we are to be committed unto God, and it's more than just, again, a rule or a legality or just a law that keeps us together, but it's a relationship. It's a relationship with God. First Peter 2 and 9. But you are chosen, most of us are aware of this verse, generation. Look at this language here. Chosen generation. You're not just anybody, but you're chosen by God. A royal priesthood. Now, what he's taking, he's taking all of these things that we saw parallels of him working through in the Old Testament. We're seeing parallels of this in the New Testament, the relationships that he had with people a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. Aren't you thankful that you're walking in the light of the Lord and uh, things are illuminated to you through his word? And as you begin to walk in that light, things come to you and God shines that light on certain things in your life that needs to be altered and that needs to be changed. Can you say praise the Lord? We are to be holy as worship unto God is what I'm trying to say. And don't look at it just simply as legality and rules, but look at it and view it as worship unto God. That's a revelation that you've got to receive. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. What? Know you not that your body... Somebody said, well, it just has to do with my, my spirit man. It doesn't have anything to do with, with anything physically. Holiness doesn't. Well, you need to look again. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. You are not your own. Let's go to the next verse. For ye are bought with a price. Why can God require this? Because He's the only one that went to Calvary for you. He was the only one that was sinless and was a spotless lamb. You know, all those other lambs and goats and bullocks and all of that, all they did was push sin ahead. They didn't eradicate it. Just pushed it ahead. They just pushed it down the road. Just raised the debt ceiling. And, and it's kind of like the government. They just keep, well, putting off payday, putting off payday, putting off payday, putting off payday. Well... He took care of that debt. He retired that debt completely. And so we're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in what? Your body. So it's not just, you know, it's not just abstract. It's not just something out here elusive. It's not just something that I, I do on Sunday and I live like I ever want to uh, the rest of the time. Or it's not just something that... Uh, you know, has nothing to do with me physically. Oh, no. And in your spirit. In your body. Somebody say your body. And in your spirit. Say spirit. Which are God's. He owns both. So, well, I don't know. God requires me to, to look or dress or act a certain way. Well, he can because he bought you with a price. You are God's, right? or unless you're holding part of you back. And that's usually what the case is when people don't want to submit themselves to biblical and scriptural holiness is they're holding a part back from God. I'm going to answer the third question. How are we to be holy? Since God has called us to be holy, how can we attain? And then the question is, how can we maintain this state of holiness? Because... You know, it's one thing for, for me to, to get into the church, but I'm looking for longevity here. I'm looking to stick with it here. I'm wanting to be in the church when the trumpet sounds or death closes my eyes, whatever the case may be, whichever comes first. I want to be, I, I, I don't want to just be a sprinter. I want to be somebody that can make it to the end. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. So I'm looking to get all the way there. And so it's important that I understand not only how to attain, but also how to maintain. 
First, you must understand that God never requires anything of us without providing the empowerment to do it. You've heard me say that many times. God will never call somebody to, to do something without giving them the ability to do it. First of all, and we talked about this a lot last week, he gives us his spirit. We call it what? Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. He gives us his spirit of holiness on the inside, which is an empowerment to live above temptation if we so if we stay full of the Holy Ghost and we walk out of the Spirit, we don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh, is what the Bible said in Romans 8. And we read it last week. We don't have to live under condemnation if we walk after the Spirit. It's only when we deviate and we go after the flesh and fulfill the lust of the flesh that we suffer condemnation and that we uh, take upon us the filth and the corruption of the world and sin into our lives. And we partake of the things of, of the world and, and taint ourselves. And we lose that holiness that we had attained from God. We didn't get it ourselves. But we obeyed his word by coming and repenting of our sins. Then being baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. Can you say praise the Lord? And I'm going to tell you it takes all three. Don't stop somewhere in the process. Some people say, well, I, I repent of my sins and I ask him to be my personal Savior. That's great. You need to go a little further than that. The Bible said you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And then you receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you it's impossible for you to live a holy life without the Holy Ghost. And it's impossible for you to continue to maintain holiness without being renewed in the Holy Ghost. I don't believe in this being a one-time deal. Amen. I don't believe in this being a situation where, you know, I got this back in 1975 and I've never spoken tongues again. Well, in my opinion, you, you may not be saved. It's very doubtful to me that you are saved. And there's a doctrine afloat that says that once you've ever gotten it, you don't ever have to get it again. Well, I just don't ascribe to that. I don't ascribe. I don't know anybody that want. I don't know why anybody would want to live like that in the first place, with it being so available to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. And I know that Paul told Timothy. He said, "You're gonna, you're gonna attain holiness and be pleasing unto the Lord and save yourself by the washing of regeneration and renewing in the Holy Ghost." He told Titus that. Amen. And so we got to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. It seems to me that excuse about never being renewed in the Holy Ghost and never speaking in tongues ever again is an excuse for the lack of spirituality. To me, it seems like a very poor loophole for not being a person of prayer and not being a person of spirituality. And why anybody would want to live in that state, I don't know why. And I certainly don't ascribe to it. And most of the places that I've been have been deader than a hammer that ascribe to that kind of atmosphere, that kind of attitude and that kind of spirit. And the atmosphere in those churches is just dead as, as last week's Coca-Cola. I mean, it has no, you go to church and it's just, boom. You know, you might as well just be at any denominal setting anywhere. All they got is a ritual going on. We need relationship, and the only way I can keep relationship alive is to keep the Spirit of God alive in me. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Spirit is life. The Spirit is life. That's what the Bible says. And He empowers us. But not only through the Holy Ghost, He empowers us through grace. He gives us His grace. Now, a lot of people misinterpret grace. And even in our day and age, people are afraid to talk about it too much because it's been so grossly misinterpreted and defined incorrectly that some people are just really reticent to even talk about it, really reserved to even bring it up. But I'm going to tell you, it's a very important aspect of your relationship with God. Grace is not what sometimes... Some people is interpreted as just 
do whatever you want to do and just come back and fall on grace and and you can you can always find grace and God is always going to cover you with grace and no grace and living under grace is not so that you can dis, disavow or disregard the commands of God and live outside the lines but it is a provision it's kind of like college rule notebook paper you got you got the lines there and you got these extra wide margins on the side right now everybody knows you're supposed to write within the margins at least i think everybody knows by your response here tonight i'm not sure everybody knows so if you don't know you're supposed to write inside the margins and if you happen to inadvertently and by mistake come over the line a little bit then thank God for wide margins you got grace right but you don't make a habit of doing it and you don't just disregard the line that is there your pencil number two pencil has an eraser on the end of it there's a lot more pencil than there is eraser and if you get in the habit of using the eraser too much, you'll run out of eraser before you run out of the ability to write. And so you've got to be careful that you balance this and not just lean on the eraser, not just lean on being able to correct the mistake all the time. That's not God's intention when He gave you grace is for you just to lean on grace all the time and just take advantage of grace and there is a difference between grace and mercy. You see, man? There's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is receiving what you did not deserve. He was so merciful, He forgave you of what you were not worthy of being and gave you an opportunity that you were not worthy of. Aren't you thankful for the mercies of God? Grace is for the child of God that is endeavoring with all their might to live for the Lord, but they still have flesh to contend with. And walking in grace, and if I need help, God will give me the grace. And grace extends beyond just that. Grace also extends to the fact that He gives us grace to be able to bear up under hardships and to be able to endure certain things. Aren't you thankful that when you've been in grief that God gave you grace to bear that grief? When you've had the loss of someone that you loved, He gave you grace to bear up underneath that grief. You had a burden in your life. He gave you grace to bear up underneath it. Amen? Praise the Lord. It's so important that you realize it and not take advantage of the grace of God or use it as just a... Uh, you know, something that you can just, no limits, nothing, you know, I can just live my life however I want to live it, and I can always just come back and slip underneath. The Bible said if you act that way and you conduct your life that way, that you're crucifying Him afresh. Amen? And we're taking advantage. And, and, and Paul said it this way, God forbid. God forbid. I don't want to be a person that takes advantage of His grace and His mercy. Second, you you need to understand that the requirement of holiness has two aspects, one positive and the other negative. The positive aspect of holiness we may call the imitation of God or seeking to be like God, showing His character, His virtue, should be our consuming desire. And then the negative aspect, and I use the word negative uh, I don't want you to think of it necessarily how we often define negative, but the negative aspect is that it's separation or withdrawal from worldliness, impure things, ungodly things, vile things, sinful things. Holiness involves withdrawing yourself from worldliness and carnality. A born-again Christian should find the things of this world increasingly reprehensible. You should find the things of this world. I don't know if you if you if you don't look around 
and there's not a, an awful distaste, there's something wrong. If it doesn't make you kind of cringe within, seeing some of the things that's going on in this world, the filth and the corruption, it ought to make you kind of recoil. It ought to make you kind of want to seek to withdraw from that. Does that mean that we go find a commune somewhere, build up walls around ourselves and put barbed wire on top of that and all that? No, that we're, we're, that's for them Branch Dewittians down there. I don't think their name's Dewittians. It's Davidians, but dimwits is what I mean. We're not that kind of people because we couldn't be a witness and be that kind of people, first of all. We're to be salt and we're to be light. We're to stand up and be unashamed as we sung about tonight and be a light to this world. We're to be savor or good taste to this world. We're to be the salty ones. Can you say praise the Lord? We're to be distinct. We're to be pure. We're, all, we're, to be a, we're to offer hope to this world that you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live under that condemnation. You don't have to live underneath that, that burden of sin, and sin does have a burden that goes along with it. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You've laid awake at night, regrets and shame and guilt and, and all of that. When you get the Lord in your life, it doesn't matter what you used to be. He lifts all of that burden away from you. And you're no longer condemned, but you can live a pure and godly and wholesome life before God. Which leads me to my fourth and final question. Where does holiness begin? And I want to say that it's rooted in the heart. From the inside out. Psalmist prayed in Psalms 51 and 6. Behold, thou desireth truth. Notice this. In the inward parts, in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. And then in verses 10 through 11, he talks about creating me a clean heart and a right spirit. Notice which one came first. A clean heart manifests a right spirit. I'm going to tell you, you cannot be holy unto the Lord without having a clean heart. The wise man said in Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 3 through 6, created, okay, let me, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 4.23 Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart in other words. Proverbs 7 and 1 through 3 My son keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thy eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. I uh, read one time about a redwood tree in California giant redwood trees that I mean was uh, at this point hundreds of years of age and it they didn't really know it wasn't any significant event that took place it could have been just a gentle breeze but it toppled over and it fell to the forest floor and they came and they investigated why did this tree just arbitrarily, it seems like, fall down? Such a great redwood that had been around for hundreds of years, and they studied tree ring chronology. And they seen there was years of drought, and they seen there was years of plenty, and all of that they could study by the, the tree rings that were there. Finally, they found a scar that was deep down in there that had happened back in the 1800s. They said it could have been a wayward Indian campfire that caused it. It could have been just a natural forest fire that caused it, but it caused a scar. 
and a wound on that tree, and it was something they could not overcome. It could never recover from, even though it went on to live and even grow and go on for a long period of time, over a hundred years, it still never fully recovered within. It looked like a majestic tree when people would drive into the redwood forest and see it. It looked just like all the other trees. But there was a wound there. There was a scar that was placed on it that never fully recovered from looked everything on the surface that it needed to be. And I began to think about that as it pertains to this teaching tonight. It's what's on the inside of the heart. It may not manifest itself immediately. Matter of fact, people can come to church, you know, for a long time, act and go along with everything, and everything seems so fine. And to their peers and to everybody else around, it seems like, it seems like everything is okay. I've went up to people and said, I, I know something. I can't put my finger on it, but I know something is going awry here. I know something is wrong here. And I've had them shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know what you're talking about, Brother Kelly. And unless God was to reveal exactly, I, I would, of course, not step out and, and just try to surmise what it is. But I do know one thing. Something's wrong. Something's crossed up. Something isn't right internally and it may not happen this month and it may not happen six months from now but if that individual doesn't get that right I know at some point the tree is going to fall so it is important that we get the inside right with God get our heart right with God not harbor things that we should not harbor not not uh, not not Pamper spirits that we should not pamper. Not feed things that we should not feed. Amen? But get it out before it destroys you. I, I used this illustration a long time ago, but uh, Jim Fix was one of the men that wrote uh, books about running and marathons and that kind of thing, and he was a big advocate for it, wrote a very famous book, it was read back during his time, and he was a big advocate. He was a man that had been unhealthy, and then he decided to get healthy, and he began running. What he didn't know is he had a genetic problem with his heart. And he said, you know, uh, you should be able to eat whatever you want to eat if you can run this uh, amount every day. You should be able to eat whatever you want to eat and just, just any kind of foods you want to eat. No matter how bad it is for you, you should be able to do that if you run this much. If you got this much of your heart pumping through, it's going to push all that bad stuff, cholesterol and all that. It's going to push it all out. Well, he didn't realize he had a genetic problem going on on the inside. And so one day he's out by himself running and he falls over this man that externally looks like a very healthy individual, a very strong, able-bodied person. And by all indications was but he had something going on in his heart and he fell by the wayside of the road well I just want to state to you tonight that I have seen and we've seen this with with uh, other athletes besides him people that was on the basketball court and just fell down no I mean they look like a perfect specimen of health I mean, young, age wasn't a factor. They were young. They were in shape. They, they didn't start out playing basketball yesterday, and they just fell over. They'd been doing all the calisthenics, doing all the exercises, but there was something going on there that, that wasn't caught. There was, hadn't been enough symptoms to catch it, and they died of a massive heart attack. Well, I'm, I, I want to make sure that, that we don't have casualties and people falling by the wayside. So I'm encouraging you as we stand tonight. I'm encouraging you to look inward while we're, while we're talking about these things and while we're teaching about these things. Let's start where it all begins, where holiness starts. Let's start on the inside. Let's look inwardly. It's real easy to look at others. The Bible said, do not compare yourself 
with yourselves. If you do, you're not wise. It's not wisdom to do that. Well, they're not quite living up to the mark, so that okays me. They're not quite getting there, so I guess I'm all right. You do that kind of justification, you're starting down the wrong road. What we need to do is do what the Bible instructs us to do. Look in the mirror, which is the Word of God, and compare ourselves with the Word. Compare ourselves with the Word. Am I lining up to the Word? Because, again, that's what's going to judge me in the end. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Jesus. God, I want it to start inside. I want to get my spirit right. I want to get my attitude right. I want to get my heart right with you. I want to say this tonight. You can get all of the outward attributes of holiness, and I feel like you should. But you can have them down pat. And if you are harboring bitterness... If you've got a foul attitude and spirit, if you're judgmental, if you're negative about people and you're a gossip and a talebearer, I'm going to tell you, you're still wrong. You're not right. I said you're not right. And so you, this is where we're starting, folks. So I'm just going down to the root of the matter first, and we'll get to the rest of the stuff. But you need to get that out because we can get you dressed up and we can get all that stuff perfect. And you can have a dress along that you, you drag out your tracks when you walk. But if your spirit isn't right, it's not doing you much good. If your attitude's not right, it's not doing you much good. Amen? So it's important that we get our spirit right with God. And don't, don't when I say that, I can feel it right now. There's people that, oh yeah, I know who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got them. I got their names. I got them. Boom. Let's see if that missile landed. Let's see if that, if that bomb dropped where it was supposed to. No, you need to look inward. That's what this is all about. We're not to be looking across the aisle or looking across the pew. We don't do that here. We don't do this here. No, no, we don't do that here. It starts with you. Looking inward. Everybody take your hand, put it on your heart. Starts with me. Holiness starts with me. Wanna start with anybody else? Praise God. It starts with me. Praise God. Let's let's thank him one more time before we leave tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. 